Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, the gifts that we receive from God. I think it's appropriate in this season when we think about giving and receiving gifts that we look towards heaven and consider what we receive from Him. And in order to do that, I think we need to come to a mutual understanding of what makes a gift a gift, okay? For example, if I give you a present, but I expect something in return, that's not a gift. It's a bribe, right? There's strings attached. That's not a gift. Or maybe you come and do some work for me, and after you've done that work, I give you a gift. That's not a gift. Uh, It's a salary or a wage or a payment. If it's something you have to earn, it's not a gift. From a biblical perspective, a gift is an undeserved blessing from God. Not something you earned. There's no strings attached. God gives us good gifts for our good and for His glory. That's what a gift is all about. And so each week we're going to literally unpack one of these gifts together. We're going to unwrap it, so to speak. In fact, I'm going to do that this morning with you. And I'll need a volunteer. We have our first gift from God. All right, Lisa Wright. Yeah, so can you open that gift? Yeah, let's see, let's untie this right here. Okay, pull that out and tell me what it is. You're all right, what does that say? Grace? What does grace mean to you, Lisa? Right. See, you are actually a walking example of grace. If you've, ever, if you've ever met Lisa or spent time with her, you know that she's never met a stranger. She is kind to everyone. And so grace is a, an unmerited favor. So when you're kind to a stranger, that means you're giving them something that you didn't earn, you didn't deserve, but you're being able to offer them something. So Lisa, you live a, a life filled with grace. you mind if I put this ornament on the tree for you? Okay, good. So each week we're going to unpack one of these gifts. I thought it was going to fall. <laughs> we're going to unpack one of these gifts and just kind of consider what it means. Grace is a gift that we receive from God. And it's also, in receiving it, something that we can give away. We give grace away when we are kind and considerate. And like I said with Lisa, she does that so well to those who are even strangers to her. It doesn't matter. She treats everybody the same. She gives love in a great way. That's who she is. She's a walking example of grace. So let's talk about grace a little bit. God's unmerited favor, which at first glance kind of sounds a lot like the definition of gift that we've walked through together. Grace is an undeserved blessing from God, right? But if we really unpack this, we're going to find that grace is so much more than that. Because gifts 
I think in general are, are neutral or maybe sometimes even expected. So when Christmas rolls around, uh, what do you expect to be under that tree? Gifts, right? You invite people to your birthday party. What do you expect them to bring? Gifts. So grace is different because it is an unexpected gift. It's receiving one thing when you know you deserve just the opposite. Like receiving forgiveness when you know you deserve judgment. In fact, turn to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at a couple of verses together. Romans chapter 5, and let's start in verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for the right, a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't righteous, we weren't good, but Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if we were once enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were sinners, but Christ died for us. We were enemies, and yet we were treated as a friend. Even though we deserved punishing wrath, we received loving forgiveness. That's the unexpected gift. Of God's grace. Now, from here, Paul's going to go on in this same chapter to, to unpack this a little bit. And he's actually going to use the term gift when he's talking about grace. So let's look at that together. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. For unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, which is a type of him who is to come. So what Paul is doing here is he's, he's highlighting a contrast between two people and our relationship to them. And he starts with Adam. Now, that's important because when we look at Adam, we need to understand that we all have, can trace our lineage back to him. So every single person in this room is ultimately a descendant of Adam. And because of that fact, we all share a family trait, an unfortunate family trait of sin. We know that we share in that family trait because we all bear the consequence of sin, which is death. Verse 12 says, death spread to all men because all sin. It's our family trait. The last time I checked, 100% of humanity will experience death. It is an inescapable reality for every one of us. We have all inherited Sin's corruption from our father, Abraham. 
in order to make sure we understand that there's no exceptions to this reality, Paul does a little historical review in verses 13 and 14. Adam's sin is obvious. That's where he starts. And it's obvious because he broke an explicit command given to him by God, right? God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you will what? Die. He ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and eventually he died. And that curse of sin was passed down from one generation to the next. Now he goes on and he fast forwards to Moses. Now Moses is significant. We should know. We just walked through that. Because that's where God gives the law, right? Now, the law of God was designed to reveal what had always been present from Adam up until that point. The law didn't cause sin. It exposed it. The law was never intended to be a, a path to salvation. It was intended to reveal our need for a Savior. It exposed the reality of sin that is passed down through the seed of Adam from generation to generation to generation. But even when there was no law, sin was alive and well. Chuck Swindoll tells a story about how this relates uh, to an experience that he had when he was a young boy. Like many young boys at that time, he had a paper route. And like many young boys at that time who had a paper route, it was not something that they particularly enjoyed. But it's what they did, and so they're the whole objective was to get through it as quickly as possible as they rode their bike up and down the neighborhood throwing papers at the houses. And so what Chuck would do is that in order to try to get done as quickly as possible, when he got to the end of the street, he would cut the corner through the neighbor's grass to make it a little shorter trip and get around to the other side so he could continue to finish up his route. <laughs> what he did was never right, but there was no law, so no problem right? Well, he had done it so many times, he eventually wore a path through that man's yard. And so one morning, he was running his paper route and finds out that there's a sign in the yard that says, please keep off the grass. Well, since uh, he had a pattern that he was not intending to break, he continued to cut that corner. But this time, the one who made that law was there to hold him accountable to that law. You see, what Chuck did was never right, but the law revealed what had always been wrong. He was taking a shortcut. It was selfish. It was inconsiderate. It was destructive. And that sign simply revealed what had always been true. It was wrong. And that's the purpose of the law. So that no matter where you drop a pin, in the history of humanity, you cannot avoid the reality of sin. Every heart, since Adam and from that point on, is corrupted. And that sin is passed down from generation to generation, and we cannot escape the consequence. Death has reigned from Adam to Moses till now. It's part of our spiritual DNA. We inherently choose what is inherently wrong. We just can't avoid taking shortcuts. And God, as a righteous judge, will hold us accountable to the sin that condemns us. 
Now look at verse 15. Look at how Paul continues. But, so he's going to contrast here and listen to what he says. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, speaking of Adam, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many were made righteous. So Paul now moves from speaking to the person of Adam to now the person of, of Jesus Christ. He says at the end of verse 14 that, that Adam was a type of one who is to come. Which means that what was true about the relationship that we have with Adam is a pattern for what is true in the relationship that we can have with Jesus. With one very important difference. He says we receive, what we receive from Adam is a curse. What we receive from Jesus is a gift. Look at verse 15 again. It says, but the free gift is not like the transgression. The transgression is inherited. The free gift, by definition, must be received. But they are the same in how they relate to us. Because of our relationship to Adam, because we trace our lineage back to him, we know that we have inherited sin. But when we are rightly related to Jesus Christ, we received a gift of grace. Where sin brought judgment, grace brings forgiveness. Where sin brought death, grace brings eternal life. Through Adam, we are condemned. And through Jesus, we are justified. The relationship determines the inheritance. But remember, a gift, by definition, must be received. It's not something that we earn. There's no strings attached. We've talked about that. But it must be received. That's what makes a gift a gift, right? The gift of grace is received by faith. It is the recognition of our sin Understanding the judgment that we deserve, admitting the shortcuts that we've taken. And despite the fact that we deserve judgment, the gift of grace gives us forgiveness. Believing in God's forgiveness when we know we deserve his wrath. That's the unexpected gift of grace. Now some may hear that and say, well that's 
great. <laughs> but uh, does God have enough of these gifts to give away, right? Is it kind of like the TV commercial that while supplies last? <laughs> Is that the way this works? Not at all. In fact, the gift of grace is sufficient for all mankind. But only made effective for those who believe. Because a gift, by definition, must be received. Everything hinges on the relationship. By default, we are born into sin. Adam is our biological father, if you want to look at it that way. We inherited sin from him. It's a part of our spiritual DNA. But when we put our faith in Christ, the Bible used some very explicit terms to help us understand what takes place here. It says that we are born again. It tells us that there's a new relationship being established here through this faith in Christ. It tells us that we are adopted into a new family. We now have a new father. The Bible says, for as many as believe, they have the right to become children of God. A new relationship has been established. And that relationship determines our inheritance. Adam gave us sin. Jesus gives us forgiveness. One brought death. And the other brought eternal life. Look at how Paul continues in verse 20. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of grace has more power to save then the curse of sin has power to destroy. Did you hear that? The, the gift of grace has more power to save than the curse of sin has power to destroy. That's the reason it says in verse 20 that where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. It literally means superabounded. Because grace is a supernatural gift of God. It is God-breathed in that sense. It's not a result of good works. It's a result of God's work in the lives of those who trust him. Now, the Jewish readers, when they would have read these words, have, would have been a little bit surprised. In fact, probably a lot bit surprised because they had used the law to kind of justify their merit before God, much like we often use religion. Doing enough of the right things to tip the scales of justice in our favor but we are not justified by the law. In fact, we are condemned by the law. Which doesn't mean the law is bad any more than an x-ray that reveals cancer is bad. Do you see? The law exposes the reality of sin and reveals our need for a Savior. And we will never seek treatment if we don't understand that we're sick. Grace is a gift that gives us the opposite of what we deserve. It changes the curse of death into the promise of eternal life. Which is why the Bible often describes Christians, when they die, as having gone to sleep. Now think about that term and how it's being used. When you and I go to sleep tonight, do we die? 
No, we're just asleep. And then we wake up the next morning. His mercies are new every morning. It's a, it's a new day. Yesterday, we had a memorial service for Glenn Sharp. As I told them, at 9.09 on Tuesday morning, Glenn Sharp fell asleep. He died to this world, but he was alive and well in Christ. And when he opened his eyes in eternity, his faith became sight. And the very same thing is true for my brother Jay. And the very same thing is true for my friend Jaden Kennedy. And the very same thing is true for every single person who has received the gift of grace. There is never a time when you are separated from the love of Christ. Your faith becomes sight. And now what about you and I who still remain here? What purpose does that gift of grace have for us? Well, it has a life-transforming purpose. That will not happen, though, if we continue to try to earn what God expects to be a gift. When there's strings attached or we somehow feel like we need to do something to deserve it. Gift, by definition, must be received. And grace is the opposite of what we deserve. So it's not something that we can earn. It's something that we receive. And I want you to watch this little depiction of what that looks like in one of the disciples. Let's just see if maybe it might relate to you. So, Taz. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive! I can't believe you're alive! Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman, I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, and then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? I love you, yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter, Yeah. do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out, you know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty, 
and she said that the, there was an angel there, and the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there, and if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said okay. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Tell the disciples and Peter, you said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. That's powerful. I hope you take it to heart. Forgiving the unforgivable. Grace is the opposite of what we deserve. And it's a gift. And so my encouragement to you, especially during this season, is that you understand the magnitude of this gift. And that you embrace it. You allow it to be everything God intended it to be. And the transformation in who you he designed you to be. That you embrace it that you live it, and that you share it. That you give out grace as freely as it has been given to you. That you give out forgiveness even when it's not deserved. That you love because he first loved us. And so let me encourage you to embrace the gift of grace. Let's pray together. Father, what an important reminder. I don't know why. Maybe it's just this part of uh, our nature that is so inclined to uh, push away the things that you so freely give. And grace is one of those things that's just hard to accept. We can relate to Peter when he argued for all the reasons why he didn't deserve it, which is exactly the reason that you give us the gift in the first place. You give us the opposite of what we deserve. And so, Father, I pray that for each person here this morning, they catch even a small glimpse of the beauty and wonder of this gift of grace that you've given to us through faith. And that we would embrace it. We would accept it like we would accept any generous gift that we know we didn't deserve. And we would say, God, thank you. Uh, this, is, this is too much. This is more than I could ever ask or imagine. And then enjoy it. Don't set it on the shelf. 
but put it into practice in our life. To live it. To appreciate its beauty. To look at it every day and just say in our heart, this is amazing. This gift of grace. And then may it so transform our life that it just overflows into our relationships with others and we do the same. We just keep giving out of the wealth of what we've been given. Grace after grace after grace. And may we just uh, be especially mindful of that during this time of year. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of grace. We pray this in your name. Amen. Have a great day.